and I'll throw them to you, and we'll just try to roll with them. I've got several of them. I apologize I didn't send them to you. But I just wanted to test you today. <laughs> see, see if you were, uh, were going to be moving quick or not. Mark 6, verse number 45. The scripture says this, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Jesus was always praying. Jesus Christ, God manifest in flesh, was always praying. If Jesus spent time in prayer, how much more should we be spending time in prayer? That's not my message today, but it did need, it deserved being pointed out. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. Let me just stop and point something out to you. They were in the middle of the sea, the Bible said, and he was still on the land. And yet the scripture said here that he saw them toiling and rowing. There's one of two things that happened there. Either that sea was so small that he could see out into the middle of it. Or what I feel is, is the truth of the matter. It didn't matter how far away from him they were physically. He could still see them because he's the almighty God. That's important for what I'll preach in just a moment. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid." And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, the scripture says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. I am preaching to you today from this subject. I, don't, I really don't plan on preaching long today, okay? So y'all just, I'm going to be a helicopter preacher today. I'm usually a 747, well I don't know, maybe not. I usually take off like a helicopter and fly like a 747 for a while. But today it's all helicopter preaching, okay? Y'all with me? All right, so uh, I need you to get with me from the get-go. And I'm preaching from this subject. In every storm, there is a Savior. Somebody say it with me. In every storm, there is a Savior. Clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. God bless you. You may be seated. This passage of scripture is specifically in a moment in time when Jesus has just fed the multitude. He has just proven his miracle working power. 
that he can take what is little and cause it to be much. I wonder if there's anybody in this room today that is glad to know that God can take a little bit and make a whole lot out of it. If it wasn't for that fact, we here today wouldn't have a whole lot of hope because we never really had just a whole lot to offer him. But he took the little that we had and he has made it much. He took a little bit on 2011 Harwood Drive and he's made it a bunch. He took a little bit in a little building on Southwest Drive and he's made it a lot. I thank God he's taken a little bit of finances and he's caused it to increase. He's taken a little bit of faith and he's caused it to increase. He's taken a little bit of people who said we'll come be faithful to the Lord. And he's caused it to be more than what it could have been by itself. Little is still much if God is in it. They were fresh off the heels of that miracle. They saw what it was that God had just done and accomplished. And the Lord tells them, he says, I'm getting away now from the crowd and from the multitude. And so I would like you to get into this boat. And I want you to go to the other side to Bethsaida. And I am going to join you over there shortly. But you go ahead and you make your way. And so the disciples get into the boat. And they begin to sail to Bethsaida. Now you have to understand. There were a few on there that didn't probably know how to sail a boat. You had... Uh, you had tax collector on there and and you had others who who came from occupations that were not uh seafaring occupations but you also had some on there who knew what it was to be out on the sea they were they were fishermen and they knew how to sell a boat and they knew how to get from one side to the other side and so this wasn't new to them and this was not something that was uh that was uh, uncommon to them. They were very aware of what it took to navigate a ship even in difficult times. However, when this particular storm came upon them, uh, it caused even the most seafaring man to begin to toil in rowing because the wind was fighting them. The wind that was surrounding them was fighting them. And sometimes when the wind fights against you, you have to toil in your rowing. Nobody in this room today is exempt from the wind. The wind blows where it listeth. I know that's talking about the spirit, but it is also talking about the truth of life circumstances. The wind blows against all of us. Nobody in this room is going to get through life unscathed. Nobody in this room will make it through life without difficulty. Matter of fact, probably everybody in here has had some measure of difficulty already. If you haven't, you certainly will should the Lord tarry. And I am going to tell you that when the winds of life begin to blow against you, and when the winds of contrary circumstances begin to blow against you, don't give up. And don't throw away the oar. But instead put everything you've got into it. And toil in your rowing. Because there is a destination that we are headed to. And this is what I know about the destination. Jesus told me. When you get over there. I will meet you over there. And if Jesus said he would meet me.
me. Then I want to go to where Jesus is planning to meet me. I don't intend on letting anything stop me. I don't intend on letting any wind hold me back. It could be a wind of doctrine. But no wind of doctrine is going to move me off the solid foundation of the word of God. It could be a wind of sickness. And Lord forbid. But if sickness hits my body. No wind of sickness is going to keep me from getting to the other side. I plan on getting over there. And they toiled in their rowing. They toiled in their rowing. But we know that even in the midst of the worst of those times. That the Lord said he would make a way of escape. Jesus coincidentally just so happened to say that I am the way. I am the way. So if the Bible said that in every storm of life. He would make a way of escape. And if Jesus said that he is the way, that lets me know that within every storm that I may go through or encounter, there is a Savior that knows exactly where I'm at. In in, in every storm, there is a Savior. In every difficulty, there is a Savior. In every disease, there's still a Savior. In In every opposition, there is still a Savior. In every roaring lion that comes about seeking whom he may devour, there's still a Savior with you. In In every sickness in your body, there's still a Savior. In every trouble that you encounter, there is still a Savior. In every job difficulty, there is still a Savior. In every financial uh, difficult place you can come to, there is still a Savior. I want you to know today that there is nobody in this room that's going through one thing right now. That there is not a Savior that's able to come to you and save you in the middle of it. Well, I feel like preaching about it right now. I came to tell you, you didn't walk in here with one thing today that our God doesn't have power over it. Hallelujah. So there's three things I want to point out to you. The first one is this. Jesus knew exactly where they were. The Bible said he could see them toiling in their rowing. He saw how difficult it was. He saw the effort that they were having to make to go forward. He knew right where they were. Now here we come to some scriptures. Let Just follow me with these very quickly. Psalm 62 and 11. Psalm 62 and 11 says. God had spoken once. Twice. Take that one off. I put it in the wrong thing. Hide it. I don't want them to see it. I'm going to preach that one in a minute. (laughs) Nobody go look that psalm up in your Bible, okay? Deuteronomy 31 and 6. God knew exactly where they were. Deuteronomy 31 and 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God... He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. The Lord said it doesn't matter, Israel, what enemy you're up against. I'm telling you not to fear them. I'm telling you to be of a good courage. For I am with you, and I will not fail or forsake you. 
Joshua 1 and 9. The Lord spoke in Joshua 1 and 9. And he said this. Have not I commanded thee. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Where are you with me at, Lord? Are you with me when I'm at church? Are you with me when I'm in prayer? No, I'm with you whithersoever you go. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you get to. I'm going to go with you. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Psalm 23 and 4. Psalm number 23 and 4 says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He said, I don't have to worry, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God is still with me. I'm about to have a fit. Y'all just hold on. Psalm 46 and 1. Is this all right on a Sunday? He, the writer said, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He's not just a help down the road. He wasn't just a help yesterday, but he's a help today. Matthew 28 and 20. Matthew 28 and 20. And then Hebrews 13 and 5. Teaching them to observe all things. He said whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo I am with you always. Even unto the end of the world. So it doesn't matter how far you go. It doesn't matter how long you go. You never set off on a journey. That the Lord said I don't have enough provision to go with you on it. He will be with you till the end. Hebrews 13 and 5 said, Let your conversation, let your life be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he had said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Now, let me tell you what that scripture's saying. That's not just talking about uh, you've got to be comfortable with, with the things you've got. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you just be, go ahead and be okay with where you are in life. Because God's with you. No matter what you've got, be content with those things. Well, I didn't get the breaks that somebody else got. And I didn't get the, I didn't get the inheritance that somebody else got. I didn't get their things. I didn't get their name. That's okay. You don't have to work. Be content with such things as you have. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So I'm preaching to you today that Jesus knows exactly where you are. He is always with you. You can't outrun him. You can't outrun ahead of him. And you can't backslide and run away so far that he can't be with you wherever you go backslidden. And if you're in this room today, I don't know what spiritual condition you may be in. But if you are in this room, I am telling you that Jesus knows where you are. He sees you. He knows what winds are blowing against you. He is, he is watching you toil in your rowing. And he says, I am here. The second thing I'm preaching is that Jesus had the ability to calm their storm. Not only did he know where they were, but he had the power to calm the storm that they were in. When he stepped up into that boat, he caused the waves to begin to lay down. 
He caused the wind to begin to die down. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how bad it was. It didn't matter from which direction that it came. It doesn't matter if it's an east wind or a north wind. It doesn't matter who started the wind. It doesn't matter if it's a wind of simple life circumstances or if it's a wind created by the enemy. It really doesn't matter. When Jesus comes into the situation, he can calm the storm. Now, Psalm 62 in verse number 11. Psalm 62 and 11, the writer said, God had spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. He said, I've heard it one time, I've even heard it a second time, and now I want to testify to you about the truth of it. And it is this, that power belongs to God. The, the writer said, Jeremiah 32 and 17, Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing that is too hard for thee. Matthew 28, verse number 18. Matthew 28 and 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. In heaven and in earth. He doesn't have part of it. He's got all of it. Psalm 71, 17 and 18. Psalm 71, 17 and 18. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. And hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. In other words, I've seen it from the time I was a kid. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed your strength to this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. He said, the psalmist said, I want everybody else to see your power the same way I've seen your power. That I know you're able, I want them to know that you're able. Hebrews 1 and verse number 3. One more scripture here. Hebrews 1 and 3. Who? Talking about Jesus. Being the brightness of His glory. And the express image of His person. And upholding all things by the word of His power. Whew. Let me tell you how great our God is. How great, how great that you are. How great, how great you are. Let me tell you how great He is. He doesn't even have to touch it. He doesn't even have to touch it. Lord, if you would but come and, and touch my servant, if you'd come pray for my servant, if you'd come be where they are. He said, I'm always going to be where you are, but you don't need my hand on you. You don't need me to touch you. I don't even have to. I can spit on the ground, make a mud ball, and put it in some. I can do that, but I don't have to do it. All I need to do is speak a word. If I can just speak a word to your situation and you'll receive it. I uphold all things by the power of my word. You want to talk about a great God. No wonder he just stepped out on that boat and said, Peace, be still. That's all it took. He didn't need anything else. I can't get a hold of the wind. You don't need to get a hold of the wind. You need to get a hold of the one who can speak to the wind. And the third thing that I'm preaching today, aren't I moving quick today? Y'all need to give me a tip after this service. 
And don't give me a tip like carry an umbrella if it's raining. I don't, that's not the kind. The third thing. <laughs> Y'all okay? All right. The first was Jesus knew exactly where they were. The second was Jesus had the ability to calm their storm. And the third thing I preach today is this. All he was waiting on was for them to call on him. The scripture said he would have passed them by. He would have kept right on going. But they started hollering out. And brother, when people start hollering to Jesus, Jesus takes notice. Exodus chapter number 2 and verse number 23. Israel has been in Egyptian bondage. They were prophesied to be there 400 years. But it's been 430 years. Why is that? They could have been gone 30 years ago. I'm going to tell you why it is. It's because it took them a little while to start crying out. Exodus 2.23. Exodus 2. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. I am telling you today that when you cry out to God, He hears you. He hears you. Doesn't matter how low you are, He hears you. Daniel, you can be down in the pit of lions. But if you'll cry out to God, He will hear you. Psalm 34 and 6. Psalm 34 and 6. And then I'm going to Psalm 61 and 2, Drew. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. All it took was for that man to cry to God. And when he cried to God, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. It doesn't matter how many you've got. It doesn't matter what they are. If you will cry out, he will hear you. Psalm 61 and 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. All it takes is one person who says I've had enough. I refuse to stay like this. And you start crying out to God. And I'm not going to preach because I preached it to death. I'm not going to talk about Bartimaeus. Yes, I am going to talk about Bartimaeus. God bless Bartimaeus who said, You can tell me to hush. You can tell me to keep my mouth shut. But if it, that's what it takes to get God's attention, I'm going to do it. And he started hollering out. I would to God that somebody would holler in this church today. We don't need a prim and proper church. I know y'all think I've lost my mind. You think I'm crazy. Well, you can think I'm crazy. But I know what gets God's attention. And I didn't come here today to leave the same way I came. I came here today planning that God would touch me. God would heal me. God would deliver me. Is there anybody feels that way? Get up on your feet and give him a praise. Hallelujah. 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 H
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I feel something breaking in this house right now. In the name of Jesus, let me tell you what just happened this week in this church. I'll probably bring it up again at Easter, perhaps. But let me tell you, don't, don't, don't lose your shout. We're about to come cry out to the Lord. I want to build your faith. This past week, uh, Sister Tracy Abdullah, they're, they're not here today. They had a weekend trip, vacation planned, and they're gone. But uh, she's been battling some things in her body. And uh, it, to the point, she went to the hospital. And run a test on her. And they, they said there's some things happening here. And I don't want to give all uh, her testimony away. And share all her, her business. But they said there's some things happening here. And you're gonna, it's going to require some stuff. And, and so you're going to have to change your diet. You're going to have to do all kinds of things. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to give you a blood transfusion. She said, well, I don't know if I want to do that. And they said, well, you're going to have to it's, it, if you don't. Uh, you're going to have some really major problems, and you're going to be driving down the road, and you're going to pass out, and and uh, you're going to you're going to hurt yourself and somebody else, and and so uh, she had talked to me, told me a little bit about it, asked me to be praying. Um, her blood was was just so low in her body; she had to have this blood transfusion, and so she told the doctor. She said, "Well, I want to run the test a a second time," and the doctor told her. And, and let me let me share with you this. They, uh, I think if I if I understood her correctly, she said at I believe it was NEA. If if your blood hits a, a seven, your hemoglobin hits a seven, they want you to do a transfusion. And over in was it Pocahontas or Paragul or somewhere? There's another hospital somewhere, and they said if it hits an eight there, they want you to do it. Well, she was down below eight. She was down below seven. She was in the sixes, and. Uh, she told the doctor, I want to do another test and, and check it one more time. And he said, why? And she said, well, I just think maybe, uh, you know, the Lord could touch me or something. He said, he said, it is impossible. It cannot happen that within one week, which would have been from then uh, that point to this. He said, within one week, even if you've got the greatest diet, it's in, it cannot happen for your hemoglobin to come up to the right levels. And, uh, and, and he was just talking about get it above a seven. And he said, it, it, it cannot happen. And, uh, and she went home and she finally called back. She left a message. She said, I want to schedule the transfusion. But before I do the transfusion, she kind of stayed strong in it. She said, before I schedule, uh, do the transfusion, I want them to run the test on me one more time for my hemoglobin. And so the nurse called her back and she said, I got this message you want to do this? And she said, can I ask why you want to run the test? She said, well, she said, I'm a woman of faith. And I believe that it is possible for God to touch me and I wouldn't need to have the transfusion. And the woman said, okay. And uh, she said, all right, well, we'll do it. So she went in that day and they, they ran the test and they told her, they said, it'll be uh, about an hour and we'll get with you. Well, an hour, they finished the test at 4.06. So at 5.06, she called them back, and they were gone. So the next morning, that was Wednesday. That was Wednesday. And, uh, and Wednesday night, she came to church. We had Bible study. I didn't preach like I'm preaching right now. We just had Bible study. And at the end of Bible study, she was telling me, I'm going back for this 
test and, and the transfusion. And, and we were right back there where Sister Darvis is right now. And I said, well, let's just pray for you right now, Sister Tracy. So we laid hands on her. You remember some of you that were here. We gathered around. We began to pray for her. She told me the other day she, when she called me to give me this report, she said, I didn't say anything then, but I'm going to tell you now. She said, I had something happen I've never had happen to me. She said, while the church was praying for me, she said, it wasn't a tingling. She said, but I felt like something warm go from the top of my head to the sole of my, just something warm sweep over my body. And she said, I just, I just knew something had happened. The next morning she got up and uh, or she did the test Thursday. Friday morning, she got up. They called her Friday morning. And uh, so they did the test after we prayed. Friday morning, they call. And they said, we just called to tell you, don't worry about that transfusion. Your blood levels have gotten up. Not only have they gotten up enough, but they have gone way up and exceeded what the doctor said could not happen. What the doctor said was impossible. God said, I see you. I can do it if you'll but call out to me. And I came to tell somebody here today that God sees you. God can do it. Will you cry out to Him? If there's anybody in this room that wants to cry out to God, step out from where you are. Get down to the front of this church and come with a voice and a shout of thanksgiving and faith. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on now. Let... I want to hear somebody cry out to God right now. In the name of Jesus. Savannah, come here, Savannah. In the name.